I'm Alec Baldwin. Listen to my podcast, Here's the Thing, on iHeartRadio. It's my chance to talk with artists, policymakers, and performers. I always like to say I like being an actress, but I love being Kristen. So I've prioritized that a little bit more than my, like, desire to spread my wings or prove to people that I can be some dramatic actress. If you like listening as much as I like talking with interesting people, go to herestething.org and subscribe now on the iHeart app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome in to Golf Betting On Demand. I'm your host, Rick Gaiman, and this is the first look at the Charles Schwab Challenge. That's right. We are actually going to look at a field. Talk about a course. Talk about who's going to be playing it and some betting strategies. Now, the Charles Schwab Challenge is not until next week, so pricing is not out yet. Uh, we don't have full odds for the entire field, and the entire field is not even finalized. But I think this is a good opportunity to talk through some of the compelling things that are going to happen next week so that you are ultra prepared when those odds drop, when the pricing comes out on your favorite fantasy site, whatever it might be, when this field is finalized, because next week is oh so close. I can't believe it. Three months without the PGA tour and a lot of sports in general. And we are returning with the Charles Schwab challenge at colonial country club. So um, let's talk about colonial really quickly. This is, uh, it's a course that this, this tournament has been hosted at colonial for quite some time, even though the name has often changed now playing as the Charles Schwab challenge. You might remember it as the Fort Worth Invitational or the Dean and DeLuca Invitational or the Crown Plaza whatever whatever Invitational or tournament that uh, that it was previously, but currently under the Charles Schwab, that's tough to say, uh, sponsorship. And Colonial is no small task. It was the seventh most difficult course on the PGA tour last year. Two of two separate holes rank inside the top 40 most difficult holes on the PGA tour. There's only a few other courses that can boast something like that. And it was the third most difficult part 70 on the PGA tour. So, um, you will see low scores. I, I know, I think Kevin Nash shot like a 62 in the, I want to say second round last year in route to his victory. But for the most part, the average score should be higher than what we normally see on tour. It's, it might not be 24 under par winning this thing. So, uh, expect a tough task. And especially when, you consider, uh, you know, to win this event, you're going to have to be on top of your game considering the field that is going to show up. Very obviously, a lot of the top players in the world have missed golf. A lot of us have. And they are chomping at the bit to get back to it because we are seeing six of the top seven players in the world 
converging on Fort Worth for this event. It's going to be incredible. Uh, Rory is here. John Rahm is here. Brooks Kepka is here. Justin Thomas is here. Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed. Those are the six out of the top seven. The only guy from the top seven in the world rankings is number six, Adam Scott, who will not be playing this event and actually said he's going to wait a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, see how everything shakes out before rejoining the PGA tour. Um, additionally, then, then after the top 10, you like basically every guy from 12 to 21 is here. Uh, so a really top heavy, uh, contingency headed to Fort Worth. We've seen a couple of different strategies work around Colonial, whether it is bomb and gouge, uh, whether it is kind of turn this into a, a second shot type of course, or just get your putter hot. So a, a lot of different ways to play it and a lot of guys making their first trip to Colonial. Speaking of course history, uh, the big conversation that we will all have next week and I want to get out ahead of is what strategy will you be using to make your bets or make your picks? Uh, historically, and, and, and on a very basic level, finding golfers that are playing well at the moment versus uh, golfers who have great success at this course in the past, if you can find someone who checks off both of those boxes, again, very generally speaking, that is a good play. Well, remove all of the recent form from every single player in the field because I don't know what they've been doing for the last three months. And I actually have already seen, you know, Hey, this guy's been working out a lot on, on Twitter. He's been on Instagram. If it's, if it's Bryson, he's been on Twitch. Um, that must be a good sign. Sure. But I can't penalize the guys that are working out, working hard, playing a lot and just not posting it on social media, right? Like that's, that's what you're kind of trying to sell me. If you're only going with some of the information that we've seen on, on Instagram or on Twitter over the past couple of months. So I will generally be forgetting about, uh, you know, like I'm not worried about what they did in the last three months. I want long-term form. I still believe that there is going to be a ton of variance a ton of variants, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but I still believe, of course, the best players are going to rise to the top of this field. Um, within reason, I, I do believe that there's going to be a lot more volatility. So I, I, it would not be inconceivable for 40 to one, 50 to one, 61, maybe even deeper than that. Those types of golfers winning the first couple of weeks on the PGA tour, just as everyone gets back into shape. So with that being said, it'll be difficult for me who I don't like to bet the shorter odds guys in terms of outrights. I don't like to bet them all that much in general. It's, it's hard to, to win it, to have a golfer win at a, a significant enough rate, uh, for that to, for that to pay itself off. And certainly not coming back with really no idea where anyone's game is at at the moment. Um, we've had a few very small samples of players show us, um, you know, Taylor made driving relief. Those guys looked super rusty. Rory McIlroy, uh, he, he ended up play, he, he shook the rust off quickly, but he was a little hairy on and around the greens, right? That that's short game. The things that really take a lot of touch and just repetitions, 
uh, are going, that's tough to replicate in practice. You know, taking full swings into a simulator, that's easy to do. It's the half shots, the feel shots, the putts that you have to get a, 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 a handle on is where you're going to see a lot of rust. Um, so we, we saw a lot of rust there. DJ looked brutal. Uh, Fowler looked pretty good. Matt Wolf, not so great. It was, it was on and off. Uh, and then even Tiger and Phil, uh, those guys played better, but and Tiger actually played great. But again, that's his home course. I'm not going to read too much into it. Um, where we did see them struggle a little bit was kind of on and around the green. So the short game is going to be incredibly volatile. You'll be sweating with me on a Thursday morning watching your guy three putt from nine feet or whatever and wonder what the heck is going on. Uh, remember that I told you this is going to be a part of it. Now, within that, within the volatility, there is an opportunity to exploit this. Uh, matchups probably being the best way. So I, I, I in general, want to fade some of the more, some of the bigger favorites I'd like to fade. Now, if I'm betting outrights, there's really no such, you know, it's not really worth fading anyone. I'm just not betting them. It's not, I'm not profiting that much if, if Rory McIlroy finishes 10th or 20th or misses the cut, uh, because I didn't bet him in an outright. But what I think you can actually do is target these short guys, these large favorites in matchups, right? Take the plus money, uh, whoever it is against Brooks, whoever it is against DJ, against uh, maybe even Rory, who knows, you know, I don't like to bet against Rory too often in a head to head, but you're going to get some favorable odds, uh, when, and able to target guys that are certainly rusty and we don't know where their game is. Um, it's not like we've seen, you know, it's been three months since Rory McIlroy had seven straight top five finishes. It's been three months since then. Where, where is his game at or where will it be? Come June 11th, uh, I, I think the opportunity, especially in one round, if you can get one round matchups, one round three balls, load up on underdogs in a big way. Take all the plus money. Um, I, I really don't think it's going to be a bad strategy. It's not a bad strategy for golf in general because of how crazy it is day to day, but certainly not coming back from this situation. And then I think the final piece of this is really thinking ahead from week one to week two to week three. Week one, a lot of guys are just going to be using course history, long-term form, maybe something they saw on Instagram. Who the heck knows? Uh, But whatever happens in week one is almost going to be considered gospel for week two. Here's a scenario that I can absolutely imagine happening. Um, Rory McIlroy, for example, this could be anybody, right? Uh, misses the cut at the Charles Schwab challenge. And he doesn't play all that, all that well. He looks a little rusty, misses the shot, misses the cut by a shot or two. The narrative moving forward is going to be like, whoa, uh, wait and see. Like let Rory needs to shake off the rust, blah, blah, blah. That like, do not let the one, one week sample size of whatever we see at the Charles Schwab challenge just bleed into your brain. And that is the only thing that you can consider moving forward. In fact, I would almost just blindly, just blindly in terms of game theory and in terms of volatility, uh, 
fade all of the big names, take all the underdogs and, and longer-ish shots at the Charles Schwab challenge, and then basically do the opposite. So if guys miss the cut uh, and it drives their price down in either fantasy or in, in the betting market, take them the next week. Uh, if guys play really, really well, maybe fade them the next week just because there's going to be an overabundance, an overabundance of overreaction from week one to week two because there's going to be nothing else to talk about except the one tournament called the Charles Schwab Challenge. So um, I'll be here each and every week to kind of walk you through some more specific examples of guys that we might want to stay away from guys that we might want to target or just types of players but uh what i what i want to do uh for the rest of this show is is really break down this field i think there's really compelling arguments to be made for guys that you want to buy low on um guys that you might want to buy high on quite frankly uh guys that i'm kind of waiting to see or guys that i am um maybe medium warmth on lukewarm on uh, as we come out of this hiatus, this three-month PGA Tour break, and look towards Colonial for the Charles Schwab Challenge. So um, we'll, we'll dive deep into each one of those guys. I, I can speculate on some of the odds. Odds have not been uh, widely released at this moment, but I can speculate on what I think some of these odds are. And then, of course, next week we will dive deep into odds and matchups and all that good stuff like we do on a weekly basis and it's been so long uh since we've been able to do but uh we're almost there we are almost out it is the week prior to a pga tour event um so what we'll do is we will start breaking down the field but first we're going to take a quick break and i'll see you on the other side dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyrodo.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyrodo.com Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and let's dive into this field. Absolutely stacked field. I want to point out a couple of... uh, interesting guys along the way here so it is headlined way up at the top by rory mcelroy 
again, we don't have odds yet. This is very much a first look, uh, but I would anticipate Rory coming in somewhere between six and eight to one, uh, likely closer to the eight because I, because of how difficult this, how, how tough this field is. Uh, but you know, wouldn't be surprised the guy, they can probably, they can probably post him at six and, and still get the same, the same action on him. Uh, with that being said, as much as I love Rory, as much as, uh, I think he is by far the best player on the face of the earth. It's too short. It's too short in the first tournament back from uh, a three month layoff where we have no idea what anyone did. Uh, yeah, he looks pretty good. He looks fine at, at Taylor made driving relief, but to go out and beat a full field now is a much different story, even though Rory is having like statistically one of the best non tiger seasons ever. Okay. When you look at strokes gained total. So, um, love Rory. This is going to be his first trip to Fort Worth. So it's not like you can bank on, uh, the course history side of it. I mean, probably doesn't matter if he has any course history. It's Rory McIlroy, but, uh, you know, I, I, he won't be getting my, my investment. Uh, John Rahm probably in a similar boat, right? I don't know what his odds are going to be, but he has been, you know, Rory and Rahm are probably, uh, two of the guys that this, this, this break probably hurts the most. Rory had seven straight top fives before the break. Um, you think he wants to just keep playing? Yeah, of course he does. John Rahm nearly won three straight events at the end of 2019 was a little bit, you know, uh, slower to start in 2020, but he was playing just fine. He was on the top of a bunch of leaderboards, um, up to the second ranked player in the world. He's finished fifth and he's finished second here. So like if I was forced to bet either one of them, I guess I'd bet John Rahm, but uh, again, I'm probably staying away from the vast majority of these guys up here, especially in terms of outright bets. There's just very little upside to me. Uh, on a short number to try to take to, to try to take one of these guys. Now, I have a feeling that uh, the guy that gets disrespected the most here is Justin Thomas. Uh, JT also going to be making his first appearance at the at the uh, Charles Schwab Challenge, and it's been a little weird for JT. You know, in the news lately because he was uh, commentating and announcing the match between Tiger and Phil, and he did a great job. Uh, but his golf game, and, and he was the cover boy of uh, PGA Tour 2K21. So I, I, I know he's been like in the news, so people aren't going to forget about it, but his golf has been a little forgettable by his own standards. Uh, miss the cut at the Genesis, but he bounced right back in Mexico for a sixth place finish. I have a feeling that books might screw up Justin Thomas's number. And if that number gets to man, I, this is really tough because this could make me look like a fool. Uh, but like 16 to 20, if for whatever reason, JT checks in at like 16 to 20 in this field, that might get me to bite. He is perpetually kind of underpriced in, in my opinion. Uh, I had him on a, on a master's bet. I think I got him at 25 to one. That number came a lot shorter, uh, got a lot shorter than that afterwards. So I, I think there's a lot of general disrespect from Vegas when it comes to Justin Thomas. So I could absolutely see him checking in at a number that's too, too low. Um, Bryson DeChambeau. So Bryson 
I have so many thoughts about Bryson who there are guys that I'm comfortable investing in post shutdown. And there are guys I'm not comfortable uh, investing in post shutdown. Like for example, Dustin Johnson is probably a wait and see guy for me. Uh, not only do, you know, there, there's a good chance. I mean, we, Dustin Johnson has been incredible for the last 10 years on the PGA tour. We know this that he's won every year. Uh, I think he's got, I don't know how many wins he's got on tour now, 18, something like that. Uh, he's been absolutely incredible. It is possible. We're seeing a, a just natural downturn in his game, right? I mean, you can't stay at, at your peak powers forever. It's possible he's on the tail end or starting that curve down. He's nowhere near his tail end. It's also possible that like DJ doesn't care enough. Like like DJ, this is weird. And I hate to kind of put this voodoo on him or I hate to kind of, um, you know, put him a, a mind, try to get in somebody's mind. But he, he picked up golf clubs for the first time before Taylor, uh, before Tiger versus, no, sorry, before Taylor made driving relief like a week prior to that event. And he looked terrible, absolutely terrible. It's possible he does the same thing here because he's so laid back. He's so cool, calm, cool, and collected. He could be like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to shake the rust off on the PGA tour. Like, I don't need to practice all that much before that. I'll just go out and play. It'll take me three or four weeks and then I'll be rocking and rolling by the time we get to August. Like it is very conceivable that Dustin Johnson has that outlook on, on tour. So I'm not comfortable with that. I know it is not conceivable. It is completely inconceivable for Bryson DeChambeau to have that mindset because this dude, and I, I hate to, I hate to say I saw it on social media, but this guy has been working out and hitting in his simulator what seems like nonstop over the last three months. And even more importantly than that, it is what I saw before three months ago. It is the fact that he is coming off of a fourth at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, a second at WGC Mexico, and a fifth at the Genesis in absolutely stacked fields. Bryson dedicated himself to be one of the best off the tee players in the world and he's doing it to put it into perspective the stretch of golf that he had albeit incredibly small i think it is like 16 to 20 ish measured rounds but the stretch of golf that he had from january 1st to the shutdown so march 3rd whatever that had been that three month period would be the best strokes gained off the tee season ever recorded if he were to finish if he were to stay on that pace so it is very conceivable that bryson could break the off the tee metric record this season um so i i I love what he was doing prior to the shutdown and i i uh will continue to love what he's doing afterwards he he falls into um like Xander Shoffley, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, kind of fall into the same category. Guys that were playing well enough that you thought they 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 probably should have won at some point and and, and weren't able to get a win. So uh, I, I certainly expect it for Bryson. I I am heavily in, invested in Bryson in the future, and I think it is all actually backed up uh, for a good reason. 
Brooks Kepka is really interesting because I, I lump him more in with Dustin Johnson than I do with anybody else, right? I, I, the fact that it's like he could just work his way through the rust on tour and not care about it and just be ready for Augusta, be ready for the U.S. Open, uh, whatever it takes. But I do think that Brooks benefits from a layoff a three-month layoff. And that is because of the knee surgery that he had, uh, I guess it would have been at the end of 2019. And he had told us he's not 100%. He actually said something like, he's not sure he'll ever be 100%, which is a little bit scary. But if there was ever a time to to pause and really bear down and have the time to, to get right, to rehabilitate, to uh, get comfortable with your knee and your new swing and all that stuff that you don't have to want, don't want to have to worry about in competition. Brooks was able to do it, uh, and then you look at the only time he's ever played at Colonial, the only time he's ever played here was two years ago. He finished second, uh, so it's certainly a course that he can dismantle. And if he's at full power or eighty percent or ninety percent, like it doesn't. Brooks is so good. He probably doesn't have to, doesn't have to be at hundred percent to win golf tournaments. Um, so I'm like the guys that I mentioned, I was kind of like lukewarm on. I don't know if I like some guys I'm ready to invest in week one. Some guys I'm going to wait four weeks and see Brooks. I'm really torn on. I think because he has the good course history, I'd be more willing to invest in Brooks. Now week one, Charles Schwab challenge, then I would be in a couple of weeks uh, just after wait and see. Like, like there's probably nothing I'm going to see in the first couple of weeks that's going to change my mind too much on Brooks. So uh, if I'm going to do that, I might as well be willing to buy in, you know, almost immediately. But that's kind of the problem, right? Like, who, who do we know who to invest in? What do we know what they've been doing? Like, yeah, Rory's been riding his Peloton a lot. Uh, Bryson's been hitting into the sim. What's Brooks been doing? I don't know. Just because he's not posting anything outside of a haircut that he got. Like it's hard to knock him for that. What if he's, what if he's grinding really hard? Like quite frankly, you know, and we never hear anything from tiger, but, um, tiger looks great. We didn't hear anything from tiger and he went out and he looked great. So it it is conceivable. Like it's people are going to want to put so much weight on what they've seen or haven't seen over the last three months. And I also think that, it's always a big issue. Uh, you know, recency bias, what you saw last week, what you saw in the week before is always, I mean, quite frankly, there are some guys who fly under the radar just because like they're not in the TV coverage. And like, if you didn't see it on the TV coverage, it might as well have never happened for a lot of people. So the fact that some of these guys, especially as we go further down the betting board, who might've been, might've been darlings of the industry, uh, you know, three months ago might be forgotten because so much has happened. It's like, Oh, I forgot this guy was hot coming in. Max Homa. Perfect example. We'll talk about him probably a little bit later, but like, I I forgot how good he was playing or I I forgot that I liked him or whatever it is. I I forgot Christian Bezoiden who was playing well uh, in two straight events before the players championship. Like these are all the things that you really need to you really need to be able to disconnect from like your gut almost right like these gut feelings that everybody has and like just just 
remove yourself, realize that there is bias in all of this. And if you can separate yourself and disconnect from the bias, you are in a better position than almost everybody as we return from this shutdown because all of the a lot of the a lot of the decisions that are going to be made over the course of the next two weeks are going to be made with an absolutely heavy bias. Okay, there are guys I want to buy low on and I want in right now and I want to describe them to you. But first, we're going to take a quick break and I will get to my buy low candidates on the other side. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. And it's not Charles Schwab Challenge Week, but almost just one week away. So what we've been going through is a bit of a a first look for this event. Talked a little bit about the course, talked a little bit about the strategies that I'm hoping you employ over, not just this week, but the first few weeks of the PGA Tour, which generally speaking means embracing the volatility that you are uh expecting to see right it's, it's going to be all over the place there's going to be guys the games that look uh not very sharp like if this stat if we were able to pull this stat i bet you like the first four weeks of this have like the highest three putt rate around or the lowest up and down rate things like that things that the 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 short game rust that usually takes a long time to come around uh, I bet you it actually bites back. So I'll, I'll see if I can find those stats somewhere. Uh, it would be fun to keep track of. But So embrace the volatility here. And then also don't, um, don't make any rash decisions. You know, whatever happens week one uh, to week two, don't, don't assume, you know, it's gospel from, from week one and, and, and use that small sample size moving forward. But um, I, I mentioned there are a few guys that I am thrilled to buy low on um the biggest one is is justin rose 
And I have been beating this drum since uh, it had to be the week before the players. Uh, I've been beating this drum about Justin Rose. And it's, it's going to take me a little bit to describe what's going on here. But there is a, a set of circumstances that have presented themselves that I think really offer encouragement for Justin Rose moving forward. First, let's go back. Um, Justin Rose, since 2015, uh, and, and even you know a little bit before that, has been an absolutely uh, top-level ball striker, meaning off the tee and approach was awesome. Uh, the thing that always held him back was the putter. It was about March of 2018. And I, I have this chart and I wish I could show it to you, uh, that it has the running total of strokes gained, um, of all the metrics, right? So, so if, if you're, if your running total stays basically at zero, the entire time, it means you're about an average player. Um, you know, Rory's gains, his running total of like strokes gained off the tee is like 240 strokes gained over the last five years. So like, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. And, uh, Justin Rose was an average to slightly below average putter from 2015 until about, uh, March of 2018. And then he figured out the putter figured something out something clicked and he became a much better putter and because he was already great as a ball striker he literally ascended to the number one player in the world he ended 2018 as the number one player in the world he had finally fixed the worst part of his game and was on top of the golfing world and then he did something that shocked everybody and signed with Hanma, a Japanese club manufacturer that did not necessarily have a great roster of players. Justin Rose, by far the biggest name in their stable, which would indicate they threw a ton of money at Justin Rose and Justin Rose said, okay, let's do it. Right. I'm the number one player in the world. Time for me to make that bag, uh, is presumably what happens now. The critics were silenced almost immediately because Rose won his second start using those Hanma sticks. It was uh, Farmer's Insurance. Okay, it was Torrey Pines. That would have been the start of, it would have been like February-ish of late February, late January, early February of 2019. Then things, they were okay. And then at the end of um, 2019, Things got really bad. And into into 2020, things got really bad for Justin Rose's game. In fact, he lost strokes off the tee, I think, in seven of his last nine measured events. To put that into perspective, if you remove that time frame, he lost strokes off the tee in total basically eight times from mid-2019 to 2015. Basically four full years almost four and a half years. Uh, and then he did it seven out of nine starts. So that is to say things were catastrophically wrong for Justin Rose and he knew it. And it got to the point where he actually ditched his Hanma clubs the week before the players championship. And 
of course they played one round at the players championship and the the shutdown happened if there was ever a time for a guy to make a club switch it was right now it was the last three months because normally when a guy changes club manufacturers you've got to go through testing you've got to go through all this stuff and then you know you're 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 going through and learning and uh getting getting more comfortable with your new clubs in competition it's a very difficult thing to do rose didn't have to do that he got a three-month break to get completely dialed in with presumably tailor-made again so so when he dropped hanma he put his old tailor-made sticks back in the bag now i don't know if he has continued with those old clubs or if he went to tailor-made and got refit or he went somewhere else but the point is he had three months to get it right and he was essentially a free agent he could have used any clubs that he wanted that's an amazing sign for a guy that uh, you absolutely expect to bounce back. Now, really, that's the only blip on the radar of bad play for Justin Rose over the last, I don't know, six years, half dozen years, something like that, maybe even longer. The guy's been so good for so long. Uh, now he's going to be coming out the first week back after being completely dialed in to a place that he won in two two years ago. He won this event two years ago. So to me, this is not a wait and see moment. This is a buy now moment. Because if you wait and see, and he plays well and shows flashes of Justin Rose, or God forbid he wins this event and you waited and saw, you're not getting numbers like, like this ever again. Now, I have a big feeling, uh, the, the the range of the range of odds you're going to see on Justin Rose is going to be pretty big. I think this is going to be the type of guy that you see on a regular basis who at one book he's 28 to 1 and at another he's 40. So if you shop this, I think you can get good numbers on Rose and additionally, if you want to make your Masters future bets right now like I have, please go bet Justin Rose. Please go bet Justin Rose. He is 40 to 1 at some books still. This guy like had a bunch of top tens at the at the Masters in the last handful of years. He finished second in a playoff to Sergio Garcia. He's like like there's really no reason to believe that he's not back, right? Like uh, this this to me is an absolute buy right now situation. Um, so that's that's the rant on on Justin Rose. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Sung J M not a buy low, but he's certainly a buy now guy. Um, you know. We, we, we talk, we, we joke a lot that Sung Jay, like what could he have been doing for the last three months besides playing golf? The guy lives to play golf. He literally doesn't have a, a, a permanent residence because uh, he's traveling from course to course. Three months is probably the longest stretch of, of, of time that Sung Jay's ever gone without playing competitive golf like in that he can remember. Uh, so I don't know if this will help or hurt Sung Jay, but this, this guy was like the break kills him right it hurts so bad uh you know he's just coming off the the win at the honda classic his first pga tour win he loses no momentum and goes and finishes third at the arnold palmer invitational it's just remarkable what this kid has been able to do at such a young age now his second year on tour he's the reigning pga tour rookie of the year and we knew this was coming. We've been banging the Sung Jay drum for two years because 
he's always been this way. Uh, so so the, the real indication of skill in many, this is not just golf or sport, or it, this is in life, this is in almost any profession, is if you have the universal respect of your peers, that is the best endorsement you can get. The people who are in it every single day, they've seen good, bad, ugly, indifferent, they've seen everything. If they are endorsing you, that is usually the best thing that you can get. And all we ever heard from Sungjae, when he, when he won Corn Ferry Tour, he was like, a, he was regular season player of the year, points leader. Um, and, you know, all the, all the, you know, top 25 coming out of the Corn Ferry Tour to get their card, everyone was saying, this Sungjae M kid is the best. Like, he is awesome. He's going to be great. Watch out for this guy absolutely lived up to that went out and won rookie of the year then he makes the the um the international president's cup team and to a man to a man every single one of those guys on the international president's cup team in almost every interview when it was like hey who looks good who's impressive blah 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 all of them say oh my god sungjae this is i've i've not been around sungjae this close before he is the real deal ernie ells was um, throwing compliments at him. All of his teammates, uh, Adam Scott. Uh, it was just, it was just man after man saying how impressive Sung J M and his game is, and he proved it. He was awesome at the Presidents Cup. He was awesome when the PGA Tour started back up again. He's going to continue to be awesome. Of the guys that are not the household names, I mean, he's like 21 years old. Of the guys who are not household names, not the Victor Hovlins and the Colin Morikawas and even like the Bryson DeChambeau's, guys who are a little bit older, like it's really possible that Sung J.M. is a number one player at some point in his career. Maybe it's after Rory falls off a little bit. Rory might hold that title for a really long time, but Sung J has so much going for him and the fact that uh, he's really, really good, like really good, and that he also plays every week. So he, he could pile up a, a bunch of really high finishes uh, and and kind of pad his number one ranking so or his or his world world golf uh, points. So like I, I don't think it's just because he plays a lot, but I really think he has the skill set to become a number one player in the world because he's so young and he is so good already. Um, there's a few more guys that I think are interesting cases for not only this week, but moving forward i mean we haven't talked about i I mentioned xander shoffley we haven't talked about patrick reed and there's one more that i have another you know pretty significant take on um and i think is going to be one of the guys that in 2020 we're going to learn a lot about this golfer and i will tell you who he is uh on the other side of this break so i'll see you in uh, just a second dailyroto.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry-leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyroto.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyroto.com all right, welcome back to Golf Betting on Demand. And I've, I've teased this enough. The guy that I think uh, Rose offers such a compelling uh, case, but it's Jordan Spieth. 
Jordan Spieth is arguably the most interesting situation that is going to come out of this, uh, this shutdown. And it's a lot of reasons. This is peeling back the onion here quite a bit. Um, Jordan Spieth is a guy who quite frankly, uh, had results that are, are, are almost second to none. His 2015 year may have been the greatest 2015 season we've ever seen. Um, he won everything, you know, the, the, the dominant run of, you know, basically 2015 to 2017 for him, it's almost unparalleled outside of tiger, right? Like it's unbelievable, but it's now been almost three years since he's won a golf tournament. 2017 open championship was the last time that Jordan Spieth won a golf tournament. We're approaching, we're like a month away from that being the three year anniversary, which is shocking. It's shocking. He could go this long without winning. So before the shutdown, you know, at the start of 2020, I, I had kind of been throwing this out and this was, this was pure speculation on my part, but I thought that Jordan Spieth was in need of a hard reset, meaning that he needs to either go through a swing change or he needs to, uh, part ways with either his swing coach or his caddy or both. And that is not a knock on Cameron McCormick, his swing coach, or Michael Greller, his caddy, who both are awesome. And like Michael Greller would be unemployed for three seconds. He would be on anybody's bag in the whole world who wants him. But sometimes you need a hard reset, especially when you are a guy who was the number one player in the world, who has knows he has all the skill set. He just might need to hear different voices. It's, it's why managers get fired in baseball. It's why head coaches get fired in football and basketball. It's like, this team could be good or whatever, but like, we need to hear different voices. Like what's working's not working. You've got to get over the hump. It's why, who did it? The Raptors like fired the coach of the year one year, Dwayne Casey, right? Because it's like, he's coach of the year, but like, we need to hear something different. It's just, we're not getting past our goals here. And I think that's where Spieth is at. So my assumption and my hunch on this was that Spieth was, uh, I thought he was going to take one more run at Augusta with the same, with the same setup, basically run it back, uh, because of all the great success he's had at Augusta where he has a green jacket. He should have another one. Then there's another second place finish. Like that's the place where you rekindle the magic and you keep the team together one more time. And if things don't go well at Augusta, I thought that was a natural logical breaking point for Spieth to say, okay, we gave it one last crack at a place that we dominate. Let's, I got to do something different. Let's go our, our separate ways. But now, now what does, does that same thing happen? But now after Augusta in November, uh, or was Spieth work like, like, has he, has he had a hard reset in three months? Like, would you be completely shocked if Spieth comes out with a new golf swing or like some weird little thing? Like, you know, yeah, he has that, he has that elbow that's out. It's a very unconventional stroke. Would you be that surprised to see him with a completely different swing? Um, I'm not sure I would. He's been almost radio silent on social media. 
Um, this would be the time to do it. We know he's an unbelievably hard worker. He's a grinder. He's gonna. He spent this three months doing whatever he thinks he needs to do to get back to the top. So would you be surprised if some major change happened for Jordan Spieth? I would not. So to me, uh, I think I'd rather buy on him now. And especially here, especially as a Dallas kid, a Texas kid in Fort Worth at a place that he won in 2016, finished second in 15 and 17, and he finished eighth last year. He's an absolutely dominant force around Colonial. And I feel like he's just been grinding over the last three months. Like I, I, I could be very wrong on this and I could be giving Jordan Spieth too much credit, but this is a guy who is too skilled too motivated, such a self-started worker. Like he's going to get this right. And I, I think I need to buy right now. And, and I could be wrong, but, um, it, it feels, it feels right. Speaking of course history, um, there's a couple guys that have really, really good course history. You probably won't find, uh, you know, outside of Jordan Spieth, you might not find better from, from anybody else besides Kevin Na. Kevin Kisner's got good, got good course history too. Uh, but not that it was like three, four and five years ago. It's not too recent. Uh, but Kevin Na is awesome. Okay. So Kevin Na is your defending champion. He finished fourth place here in 2018. He finished 10th in 2015. It's clear. He loves colonial and there is, um, there's something I say a lot about Kevin Na because we talk about Kevin Na in terms of outright betting quite a bit. And there is a crutch that a lot of people like me, people who talk about golf or, you know, I, I don't, I, I try not to tout, right? I, I, I present you with data and information. You make your own decisions for your own risk tolerance and things like that. Um, one of the biggest crutches for people like myself, quite frankly, is to say this guy's got good upside or he can pop. Generally speaking, that's a bad play, but you want to justify playing it. And it's like, ah, he could pop off. Golf's, golf's crazy. Anything can happen, which is not necessarily wrong, but like Kevin Na has upside that few guys have, um, and definitely has more upside than his peers. And when I say upside, I mean, winning, winning golf tournaments. Kevin Na has won twice in his last 18 starts. So he won this event last year and then he won, uh, Shriners at the start of 2020, right? My time make no i guess it would be the end of 2019 but it's the swing season so it's this season um so he's won twice in 18 starts go back and look at the list of guys that have won twice in an 18 start stretch very small list uh rory's done it obviously i mean the big names have done it but like you're talking about like rory rom um dj but not recently uh kepka's probably done it because he plays so few times but like it's the studs of golf. It is the biggest names in golf and Kevin Na. And I guess Brendan Todd did it where he won back to back, but you get my point, right? Like there are very few guys that have the ability to actually pop off and win golf tournaments. Kevin Na, one of them, uh, especially at a place that he's been so good, which is cologne. Like it's just, it's unfathomable. Like I will, I don't know what number I'm going to get on him. Uh, hoping it's like 50. I don't know. Defending champion, good course history, I don't know if we can trick the books on this, but if I can get him at like 50, I'd probably be pretty happy. 
also interested to see what Ricky Fowler's number is going to be. Ricky Fowler now down to the 27th ranked player in the world. He has not had a top three finish since the Honda Classic of last year, 2019 Honda Classic. I, I think I think his stock rises. So the problem with Ricky is um, he's always a little bit shorter than he should be because the public likes him and the public lays a few more bets on him. Same thing with Tiger. Tiger's Tiger is not, you know, eight to one to win every golf tournament anymore. Uh, but books can put him there and they're going to take their action and they'll cover their butt. They can't list Tiger at 40 to one uh, because they're going to get smoked when he wins. Ricky Fowler is kind of similar because he garners a lot of that, uh, that, that general public attention. Uh, but, he, you know, stock rises a little bit because um, he looks pretty good at TaylorMade driving relief. He carried his team, uh, played really well. You know, him and him and Justin Thomas go out and they post on Instagram and Twitter, uh, you know, rounds they were playing down in Florida and Ricky Fowler shooting crazy scores all over the place. So I definitely like the idea of investing in Ricky Fowler. It's it's com- going to be completely um, price dependent, like whatever that price ends up being like that's going to dictate this. I would love to bet it. I, I hope I can get him at. I don't know, 25 25 to one, 28 to one, something like that, I think would be reasonable, but, um, I'm afraid he's going to be shorter than that. I think he's going to be 22. I think he's, he could be 20. We'll see, but, um, very interested to see in that number. Also, don't forget Terrell Hatton. You want to talk about like the hottest players on the planet? Uh, Hatton's got eight measured rounds on the PGA tour this year. It is a sixth place finish at WGC Mexico, and it is a win at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He is leading the tour in strokes gained total, and it would be one of the most historic seasons of all time. Now, I certainly don't expect that to continue because he's got eight measured rounds. That's, that's going to fix itself, but he is still better than what people think he is. Uh, because remember he won the Turkish airlines open at the end of 2019 on the European tour. It's a big tour stop for that. Was it Turkish airlines? I think it was Turkish airlines. Uh, huge. Terrell Hatton has won the biggest prize in, uh, like golf history. Like the $3 million first prize they had on the Euro tour. Hatton won that. Um, and then he had that wrist wrist procedure. So he was out basically all of the end of 2019 until WGC Mexico at the start of 2020. That was his first start back. So like this is, this has been an unbelievably great stretch of golf that Hatton has had over four starts, but those four starts have, have gone, it's been like nine months of those four starts. So it's just a really weird situation that I don't think people are realizing how good he is, uh, how well he has played because it's been all over the world and it's been so spread out. So uh, interested to see what Hatton's number checks in at uh, and if he can keep that hot streak going. Okay, just to recap, this is the first look at the Charles Schwab Challenge. We don't have pricing yet. I speculated a little bit, uh, but we will be back next week. I'll be back next week to break through the entire betting board Um, and any interesting bets that come up, but what we're looking for, uh, volatility, probably going to fade a lot of guys in the first couple of weeks of golf, embrace that volatility. I'll probably be investing a lot in the forties to fifties range. Those guys, they win more than they should, um, on a normal week, you know, over the course of a normal season, those guys, uh, win more often than, than, than most other, 
tiers of pricing. So I'm certainly going to be investing in them. I'll stay even further away from the short odd guys than I do on a weekly basis just because of all of the volatility that I expect to see over the course of, I don't know, the next month or two, right? I mean, some guys are going to be making their debut in two weeks or in three weeks or in four weeks. So we're going to have this constant conversation and I'll be here to facilitate it and uh, see where it ends up. I'm Rick Gaiman. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on how to approach the resumption of golf uh, now that the PGA Tour is coming back. This has been another episode of Golf Betting On Demand. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you next time. dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyrodo.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyrodo.com Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.